Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. I am Mike Householder, your host, and joined by my co-host, as always, Emily Langpaul. Hello. Hi, Emily. Uh, I I am so excited uh, for this episode, and I'm glad mm-hmm. that you've all tuned in. Please introduce our guest. Yes, with us today, we have Melissa Dale, who is on staff as our Celebrate Recovery Minister. Hi, uh-huh. Melissa. Hi, how are you? Good. Thanks Good. for being here. We're really excited about this conversation. I, yes. We are, and it's a really important one. Um, you know, we're going to be we're going to be talking about moving from addiction to recovery, and this is this is so important for so many people on so many levels. I'm also a little nervous because I happen to know this. This is a, maybe not that well known of a fact, but Melissa's been interviewed by Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and she's the only one in our church who has who yeah. can say that. Well, That's for yeah. sure. That's uh-huh. thing. And so now she's being interviewed by us. Yeah. Well, now I feel great. I know. This is like this is what like an honor. Emily, you and Oprah have both asked questions of Melissa. <laughs> this is great. I know. Here we go. Yeah, we have a lot of questions. We so. do. We do have some questions. Let's get right to them. Let's do okay. it. Okay. So, uh, hey, why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? We are jumping into the first question. How did you get involved as a leader of Celebrate Recovery at Hope? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I had been coming to Hope for quite some time. I'd been doing some secular recovery here at Hope. Mm-hmm. I, I had gotten out of jail, came right to Hope because I knew I needed a church home and started right in all of the recovery programs we had in place. Mm-hmm. And what happened as time went on, and I was I started leading these recovery programs, family members were coming to the programs that were for the addicted. And I saw this and I saw a need. And so I came to the office and I said, we need another group for family members because they're coming mm-hmm. to this, to these groups. And that's when I found out that Celebrate Recovery was actually being looked at. And, and uh, somebody said, well, we'll Celebrate Recovery, cover that need. And I said, I don't know what that is. So once I found out that it was recovery with Jesus for all kinds of things, mm-hmm. I was all in at that point and started volunteering and then... It wasn't much time after volunteering that I actually was asked to join the staff for a minimum of 10 hours a week of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, mm-hmm. was, that was one of the best decisions we ever made as a church was, was bringing you onto the, mm-hmm. onto the staff team. Celebrate Recovery was started by a church in California, right? Yes, yes. Saddleback, Saddleback Church. Saddleback Church. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, at, at Saddleback, they had a pastor named John Baker mm-hmm. who had gone to secular recovery for many years and just could not go without saying the name of Jesus in his recovery meetings. And that's when he talked to Pastor Warren about this. And they said, and Pastor Warren said, make it happen. Yeah. So, Let's go. I, I found that up to, you know, 50, 60%, people come in for counseling at, for pastors. And they say, mm-hmm. well, my marriage is broken. My life is broken. Or my, my kids are broken. So, er, er, something's wrong. Please help. And at least half the time, 50 to 60% of the time, I've discovered that when you peel back all the layers, somebody's abusing mm-hmm. something underneath it. That, that, that a core issue for so many of the issues we have up on the surface mm-hmm. is substance abuse. So I know that whoever it is who's tuning in right now, if it isn't you, it's somebody close to you, somebody you yes. know. It's a friend, it's a loved one, it's a coworker, it's a neighbor, it's a classmate at school. Somebody needs to hear this podcast today. Mm, so absolutely. let's keep rolling. Yeah. Next question. What are some of the warning signs or symptoms of addiction? Well, some of what Pastor Mike just talked about was uh, there's 
there's things that are going on that are, maybe don't look like an addiction. Like it, there may not be OWIs or there may not be loss of income, but there is something dysfunctional going on with people in regards to behaviors, in regards to uh, maybe ethics and morals and mm. stuff start kind of falling up, apart. And you just start learning to meet a new person that you didn't know before. Mm. Those are some of the warning signs. Sometimes it can go as far as being, I'm getting in trouble with the law or whatever. But you see relationships actually start crumbling Mm. as a result of reliance on something other than God. Mm. And that's kind of what addiction is about. And Melissa, I know your story, but I don't know that everybody does. And Mm -hmm. share as much or as little as you want with it. But when you talk about... Um, getting into trouble with the law and and crime that that is a part of your story, and I think that yes. that makes it all the more remarkable. Uh, share with us whatever you want about that. Yeah, so I had um, you know a mother who was an alcoholic who died when I was I was eighteen mm-hmm. when my mother died. Wow. Um, she died from emphysema again, another addiction mm-hmm. of sorts. Uh, she died sober, but yet, and uh, you know I just had this gaping hole in my heart. A hole that I was, it was God-sized hole that I was trying to fill with, with people and with drugs and alcohol. And I just thought I could keep my life together. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was going to work. I was doing all the things. I was building 401k, but then it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And I kept looking for something bigger than myself to restore me to sanity. And fast forward, I, I end up drug addicted and I end up selling drugs to make money for drugs and all of that and end up getting in a whole lot of trouble. Yeah. Like, like they were telling me I was going to do 75 years federal time. Like wow. my life was going away. Yeah. Um, but leading up to that, I know that there was a heartache and a hole in my heart that started all of that. That, that wasn't an addiction. It was a pain. It was a hurt yeah. uh, that I tried to fill with all kinds of things. So, you know, I got into all kinds of trouble and I ended up in jail and thought that... Right right here in Des Moines, right? Right here in Des Moines, Polk County Jail. Um, Mm. And they were telling me I was going to do 12 years because I got out of the federal thing Mm -hmm. um, by the grace of God, Mm -hmm. which I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, Yeah. God may have been (laughs) away from some of your more, you know, uh, core thoughts at that time. Yeah, he wasn't. I didn't didn't know that at the time, but by the grace of God, I I got out of the federal thing. But then I was looking at a 12-year state thing. So uh, I go to jail and I, and I, and I was suicidal because they asked me, the funniest question I ever heard in my life was, are, 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 you, are you suicidal? And I said, well, not right now. Well, are you going to be? And I'm like, well, isn't everybody? I thought it was just a stupid question. Mm. Wow. And they said, are you going to hurt yourself? And I said, well, I don't know what's going to happen when I uh, detox because I've, I've mm. I haven't been off drugs for so long. I didn't know mm. what it was going to be like. So... Uh, they put me on the suicide watch lockdown for three days. And then after the three days, I, I got out and went to a regular jail cell for the next five months. Something happened along the way, though, that really mm-hmm. awakened you Absolutely. to God. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I, I'm in jail. And uh, the only way you could get out of your cell was to go to like a Bible study or a recovery group or something <laughs> like that. Fun thing. It's yeah. 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 So it's and the only book I could have was a Bible. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I got one of the, the Gideon Bibles when I went to the Bible study and I started reading because I was in my cell so much. I was afraid to get out and I was, I didn't think I belonged there, but I was reading about the fruits of the spirit and I was reading about, you know, covering yourself with the, the shield and the armor and all of this. And it was just taking it in. And one night I just got down on my knees in my jail cell and I just, I just raised my hands up and just said, God, 
take my life. And I didn't mean it in a suicidal way for the first time ever, probably. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Talk I about it, a contrast. Exactly. I meant it in a full out surrender of my life. And I gave it to him right in that jail cell that night. And, and I remember, I can, I can see that cell. Hmm. And I raised my hands up and I just asked him to take my life, take care of my family, my pets, everything. I couldn't do it on my own. Yeah. And everything changed. Hmm. So it changed there while you were still... Uh, you know, locked up. Yes. Eventually you get set free and somehow you end up at this church. And that's where yes. I remember meeting you. And <laughs> that, that's, let's pick up the story there. Yeah. So uh, I got out of, out of jail and I told my sister that I needed a, a church home because I knew what saved my life in there. Mm-hmm. And the only church she knew was this church. Uh, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd done a, a funeral service for her husband uh, some months earlier. Mm-hmm. And so she brought me to the door of the church and basically dropped me off. And it's kind of like, Pastor Mike, she's your problem now. And she just kind of laid it out there, you know, because she had done everything she could for me as a family member. She did as much as she could. And she knew I needed something bigger. And, uh, yeah, I came every week. And, and the minute I walked in, I knew I was home. Like I knew I was, this was where I was supposed to be. And uh, I got involved with everything here, with the recovery programs that we had, um, with depression support groups and coming to church every week. And I remember, Pastor Mike, and I'm sure you do too, I run up the aisle every week making you sign my slip to prove to my probation officer that it was okay for me that I was here. Yeah, I was happy to sign it. And and talk about transformation. Yeah, The way you came in, because you were still in the early stages of recovery at that point. I mean, it was fresh. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the physical manifestations of the drug abuse and stuff were things that you were still carrying with you. The transformation has just been... Total. It, yeah. it, 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 it's not, it's spirit, soul, body, mind. It, it, it's everything. Mm-hmm. And to see God change a life, I mean, isn't that why we're all in ministry? Yes, isn't absolutely. that the best part of it? And you get a front row seat. Absolutely. So hope that this church did none of this. Right? Yeah. It, right. I mean, we're, we're along for the ride. God uses us, right. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you need God's love through people and, and room to grow and places to, to heal. Absolutely. But man, which is what Celebrate Recovery is all about, right. but man, watching God do this, yes. the, it, to create these transformations, is just the greatest thing. It's, it's what gets me excited still to this day about ministry. Um, and your story, the great thing about what God is, one of the greatest things God's doing in this church is your story isn't unique. Right. A good 10% of this church, I would estimate, is in a similar kind of pathway, you know, yes. that they're, they were... Uh, lost and now they're found. They were they were hooked on something, and let's talk some more about yes. that as we go. We got some more questions. Yes, yeah. So our next question is: There a difference between a problem drinker and an alcoholic? When you cross over into a, a full addiction, you are dependent on that substance to carry you throughout the day. Like you have to have it every day. However, there are uh, um, people with the disease of addiction who can be binge drinkers just on the weekends. Um, Problem drinkers versus addiction, fine line, I believe, mm-hmm. because you will cross that line about the time that you start destroying your relationships with people. That's the minute you can't make it to work because you're hungover, the minute that you can't get up because you're hungover and you need that to keep going. Uh, there's, there, it's a very gray area. And I would say my personal opinion, and this is not probably, you know, I, this is my personal opinion, mm-hmm. that prob- problem drinking and alcoholism probably go hand in hand. Yeah, they, like you said, it's a fine line. Absolutely, because the, the steps of the program teach you how to deal with life, turn it over to God, how to restore relationships, how to surrender, submit, 
how to uh, live on a daily basis with uh, knowing that Christ is there with you. And it, and it, it, Alcoholics Anonymous and other groups like that are uh, higher power centered yes. and uh, celebrate recovery Christ centered. S- but there's always something bigger than you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something bigger than you. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that's what those programs teach. But when you get to problem drinking versus alcoholism, um, I, I will put a definition out there of saying that your body may not be physically uh, addicted. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what people want to call full-on addiction. Sure. But you may be mentally addicted to it. Gotcha. And that that will be a problem drinker. When you run into that instead of God, that's a problem. Hmm. Well said. Yeah. Uh, Is addiction limited to physical things like alcohol and Mm. drugs? Absolutely not. You can addict to anything. You can addict to the cell phone's a big one these days. Sure. You, You can addict to gambling and... Uh, pornography, sexual integrity issues are huge in in, uh, in, the, in the community as far as people coming to uh, celebrate recovery. It's one of our stronger groups for recovery. There are, you know, food, the donuts, it can caffeine, nicotine, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be alcohol and drugs. You, mm-hmm. Your mind will addict. Uh, th- there's a statistic that says if you walk into a casino and you hit a slot machine, you can become addicted within 17 seconds. Wow that your mind will go to that. And that addiction, because uh, I've been addicted to gambling, I've been addicted to cocaine, I've done that, all of that. And the gambling and the cocaine sit in the same category for me, which is really weird. Mm. So here's what strikes me listening to you. You're not just getting this from a book. Now, you're as no. knowledgeable mm-hmm. about these things as anybody I know. So you, you've read the books. You, you're, yeah. you're well aware of what the literature is that's out there, the science of it, the, the medicine of it, the physical, the mental, the spiritual. Yes. You're, you're well-versed in all this. But you've lived it too. Mm-hmm. You, yes. You've been there. So, so for you to just say, you know, I've been addicted to gambling. I've been addicted to cocaine. I've been addicted to all these things. In addition to knowing, mm-hmm. you also know what it's like to actually go through it, which mm-hmm. makes you highly effective mm-hmm. as 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 a leader. And it's been how long now that you've been in recovery? Let's celebrate. Years. Eighteen wow. years this year. Eight, yep, just 18. past eighteen years. You. Mm-hmm. You must have walked alongside of hundreds and hundreds of people in your role yes. as our Celebrate Recovery Minister. Absolutely. And, it's, and so to say this, please hear us say this, it's not just alcohol. It's mm-hmm. absolutely not alcohol. That's just one of many drugs. And alcohol is a drug. Yes. Uh, it's a depressant. Um, it, there are all sorts of other drugs that people can get hooked on. Now, can you use alcohol in moderation and can that be a healthy thing for a lot of people? Sure, yes. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that. Mm-hmm. But what we're saying is... All of these things, in addition to the physical things, the drugs, uh, alcohol being one of them, the long ongoing list, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you gave a whole bunch of examples there. Shopping can be mm-hmm. uh, money, yep. uh, obsessions yes. with things. And the reason that's a problem is because it takes life away from people. Mm-hmm. It, it's not just, oh, well, I'm really into this. I'm, I'm just passionate about this. That's one thing. Or I really like to do this. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. But when it starts stealing life from you, mm-hmm. now we've got a problem. Absolutely. And you know, people can be addicted to people as well. Oh, so wow. like when, mm-hmm. I, when, I'm too worried, when I'm more worried about your well-being than my well-being, I could be addicted to, what you, to your behavior. So a lot of family members become addicted to the addict's behavior mm-hmm. as well. And in, in Celebrate Recovery, we only have like one in three maybe that are chemical dependent. Hmm. Our bigger groups are the other groups. In fact, our women's groups are pretty much all other things hmm. versus uh, chemical dependency. So not a physical dependency, but but more emotional, emotional. or mental yes. or, hmm. or something spiritual even that, yes. that they're struggling with. 
fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Which kind of leads to our next question because you mentioned, you know, if you have a loved one in this situation or, or somebody around you. Right. Mm-hmm. How can we help a loved one who may be in denial about addiction? Do interventions work? Yeah. So it, it's funny how denial works in families. Uh, and loved ones can be in denial as much as the addicts. It's, it's kind of an uh, odd, odd thing to watch. Um, the best help that we can have is to be clear, to set boundaries, and to be honest and not hide the secrets. Families so often want to hide the secret, mm-hmm. the secret of the addiction, the secret of what's going on in the family. Um, but to be clear and to be open about what is going on and, and to set boundaries. Behavior is not okay. Uh, pointing them towards resources if they have no clue that there are resources in the community or that there's a better way. Pointing them towards, you know, have them come in and talk to somebody here at the church, whether it's me or a pastor here at the church, um, having them talk to a counselor, things like that. That that can be helpful if they have no idea that there are resources. See, I didn't know. I, I didn't know that I, I was, I didn't understand that I was addicted. Nobody ever came up to me and said, you know what? I think you have an addiction problem. Nobody mm-hmm. ever said that to me. Would you have admitted yeah. it? I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. I I'd probably would have denied it, but it would have planted as a seed for me. Sure. Nobody pointed it out. I knew it probably, but nobody... So as you say that, that are, are, what I hear you saying is, tell somebody. If you love somebody, yeah. love them, them enough to say, I think yes. you might have a problem. There's, Let's get some help. Yeah, truth truth and love. I mean, speak truth and speak life. You don't have to get angry. You don't have to take abuse. You don't have to... and because. We, as an as an addict, I, I know that you know when you're defending your addiction, you can become rather abrupt and abrasive. So, uh, but you don't mm-hmm. have to take that. You you just speak from your heart and tell them what you're seeing because because you love them. Yeah. Because Pastor, you love them. I think it's great that you also said whether you think they're going to accept it or not. Yes, there's value in you saying it to plant a seed. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I think that that's big. Yeah, and I, I mean as far as interventions, they're. Um, there are places that can do a full-on intervention. Now, what, what is an intervention? People might not even understand what that is. There are ways to do it, and there are ways not to do it. Okay. You know, at the middle of Christmas dinner, you don't want to put a spotlight on someone that's all messed up and say, you are a wreck, because that's not going to help them. That's going to crush them. And believe it or not, people who are in the grips of addiction uh, are already know. They already know that they're a disaster and a disgrace, and they are already hating themselves a lot. Mm -hmm. So shaming them and public ridicule and things like that are not helpful. But what you can do is get with uh, a local recovery place Mm -hmm. and talk to them about doing a formal intervention. Mm -hmm. They'll have people that will come out and what you will have in place is a place for them to go. Because what an intervention basically is, is people come around in love, they tell them what they're seeing, Mm -hmm. And then they say, and if you're not going to straighten up and take this path, then we have to go to these other, there's an either or, either you're going to take this help that we're offering, Mm -hmm. or we're going to have to instill some sort of circumstance on you. Mm -hmm. So the help that could be offered needs to be in place. You can't say, oh, we'll take you to treatment next week somewhere. It needs to be pretty right now, Mm -hmm. like right now, because if they're, if they're like, okay, okay, I'll go, I'll go. You want to be able to act on that quickly. Now. Do they work in the long run? Some people will get up and walk out from it, and and then relationships are broken. And other people will go to the treatment place, and and it'll be a, an attempt. So, what do you say? Uh, I know this question comes to me a lot. I have a loved one who's clearly got an issue, 
uh, problem drinker, alcoholic, drug abuser, whatever it might be, or some other addiction. Mm-hmm. And it's killing our family. It's killing our marriage. It's killing our friendship. It's killing their career. It's ki- whatever it might be, uh, or all of the above. Mm-hmm. But when I brought that to their attention and I tried to do it the right way and I did it in a loving way the way you just described denial kicks in again denial ain't just a river in Egypt no, is right, it I right. mean it, it's 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 there's what do you do for the addict who is in full-blown denial and what what do you say to the person who wants to help them in that case you can't fix them amen you can't fix them you, there, there's a saying in another program that says I didn't cause it I can't cure it and I can't control it so you bring your truth and you bring your boundaries with you. So if they're not going to get the help, you're going to set up some boundaries yeah. because mm-hmm. it, can, it can destroy you as well. And then you get some help because that is one of the hardest things you're ever going to have to do is set a boundary on someone you love when you see someone flailing and, and having issues. Because it's really easy to walk down some unhealthy roads if you are in a family or in a relationship with somebody who is battling addiction and is in denial of that, which leads to some of our next questions, which is definition of terms, some more clarity for us. Yes. Yeah. We'd like you to help us define some terms for our listeners. I'm going to throw them out and you answer them. Okay. Okay. So what does it mean to be a codependent? A codependent person is a person who is going to uh, look at your behaviors and judge and base their day on it. Okay. So I'm going to work harder at your recovery than you. I'm going to, I am going to uh, do everything that you need to be doing. Like you're going to be on the couch all day long <laughs> and I'm going to be getting you meeting pamphlets and I'm going to be going to the church, finding out what you mm. need to be doing. And I'm going to be a mess in my head because of the way you're acting. You, okay. okay. So I'm going to try to fix this for you, which gets yeah. back to what we were saying. You were saying before yeah. You can't fix it for them. All you, you can do is make the invitation and hopefully they'll accept it. You can't it. do all the work. That's right. But codependency can be really bad. I mean, from my perspective, uh, it, it got so bad that I was going to kill myself because I couldn't fix them. Oh, wow. Mm. I was suicidal yeah. because I couldn't fix their behavior. Yeah. Mm. I thought I messed up. So codependency is really an ugly disease, if you will, sure. that can turn ugly on you because you believe that if you were just a better mother, father, son, daughter, whatever, then they wouldn't do that behavior. Mm-hmm. You put all of their dysfunction on you, personalize it, mm-hmm. and it can destroy you. Mm-hmm. So codependency is just as much something that needs uh, recovery as does the addiction. It's so, subtle because it looks like love. It, right? Right. It, it's like, well, I, I love this person so much that mm-hmm. I just can't take it that they aren't yeah. doing better, but it ultimately isn't helpful. It, it isn't effective. It's not good for the person that you're trying to fix. Mm-hmm. And it's not good for you as the potential fixer either. So Correct. Fascinating. And it can destroy you. So what's the difference between that and being an enabler? So an, an enabler is going to enable them to continue bad behavior. You're doing things okay. to enable them to continue bad behavior. Give us behavior. some examples. I'm paying off all your fines for you. I'm uh, mm-hmm. picking you up from uh, the jail again. And okay, since you're home, I'll put you back in the back bedroom again. And you're, you enable them to continue bad behavior. Cover uh, the consequences of their bad behavior. Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. Be- because that enables them to continue to do it again. You just correct. rewarded them. Correct. So there's a fine line. People get messed up between what's the difference then between enabling and supporting. Right. How can I be a healthy support so, for this person? Yes, right. speak to that. So that's that's a that's a big one. So a support for someone might be 
well, they need to get to a meeting and they don't have a ride. I will give you a ride for the first few weeks, but then you need to find a ride within the meeting. Nice. So you're supporting mm-hmm. them by giving them a little bit of help mm-hmm. to get them going if they're on the right path. But then they have to go. That's right. And enabling would be signing their meeting sheet saying that they went oh. <laughs> when they didn't go. Okay. Yes, gotcha. Yeah, you had to show up for, for church for me to sign that you were at church. Right, yeah, right. Gotcha. I didn't send my sheet with anybody. <laughs> right. More terms. Uh, what's a functional addict? Okay, so um, my mom was one of those wonderful functioning addicts. That means that uh, that you're still going to work every day, you're still showing up, you're doing mm. your job, you're still making dinner, you're still doing all of these things that you need to be doing. You're just probably doing it drunk or high. Mm. Because here's the thing about addiction is you get a bubble. I call it the bubble, and it's where level is. And so when you're, when you're drinking or whatever, your blood alcohol gets to a certain level. And pretty soon that level is normal in your body. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. And so I can be this drunk, can, and I look normal. You yeah. can build it up. Right. So uh, they go to work, and they do all the things. They also may not show up for other things, but that's, that's that. Now, so that's what makes addiction with alcohol so much tricky trickier than some other addictions because in order to get your bubble from here to normal again, you have to detox. Mm -hmm. And it's not safe to do that on your own. Mm -hmm. You need the help of professionals to get detoxed if you've been drinking a lot for a long time. That's Mm -hmm. where treatment can be a really good... Treatment and and just getting detoxed um, professionally at a hospital. Gotcha. So, But a functional addict is someone who still maintains everything, Mm -hmm. although they are just drinking and drugging... So what is a dry drunk? Ah, uh, the dry drunk is someone who is just abstinent from the alcohol or drugs. So they just gave that up, but all of the behaviors, all of the everything else is still there. (laughs) So you still have all the issues, but you don't get the fun uh, of drinking. That's right. And and they can be just a bear to be around. I tell you that because they're, they're still angry. Uh, so that's what, uh, see, recovery is wonderful because it's not just the substance that's the problem. It's everything else. It's deeper, isn't it? It is way mm-hmm. deeper. Yeah, and yeah. and if you just get rid of the alcohol, now they're an angrier, maybe more depressed, maybe all of these things. So a dry drunk is still somebody who's acting out, but just not drinking. Yeah. And the fun of drinking, let me clarify, because I, I honestly, the longer I'm a pastor, the less I see any fun in that whatsoever. Yes. Now I realize that you go to a party when you know you're in college or or young adulthood or whatever and people look like and act like they're having so much fun and they're drinking as much as they can and wow this is this is what we call a party mm-hmm. if we even say that's what partying is yes. is doing these things this is the definition of fun mm. the older i get and the more i walk alongside of people i just think all the fun's been kicked out of it i mean yes. completely because you see the dark side of it and you see that Sure. Drinking in moderation, if you don't have an addictive issue with alcohol, no problem at all. Sure. Uh, Jesus drank, drank wine, his disciples. We, we get that. We understand that. You don't have to be anti-alcohol. Right. It's not that. It's just that when it becomes a problem or when it becomes a disease, when it becomes an addiction, when it, when it crosses that line, and it just destroys so many things. It's just a killer. It does. Mm-hmm. It, it interferes with relationships. And, and we're relational we are relational. Yeah. Human beings, uh, we're, we're in a relationship with God. We're in a relationship with each other, with our families, with our coworkers. And when a substance or a behavior or a habit gets in the way of these relationships, that's when it's a problem. And whatever that is, it needs to be, it needs to be corrected. So switching gears, what are the key steps to recovery? 
Well, the first step to recovery is admitting you got a problem. That's mm-hmm. got to be number one. You got to you got to want to change something that's going on. Now, there is there is a step that's pre-contemplation. Like you can be in a, in a position of maybe there's something a little wrong, and now you're in pre-contemplation. There are several steps to recovery, but I believe the key one is when you say, there's something wrong and I want to fix it. And then getting involved in recovery, if you need treatment, you know, looking at the options, talking with someone. Um, there, are, there are 12 steps in the 12-step program mm-hmm. for a reason, and, and those steps are basically, uh, I am not in control of anything anymore, but God is, mm-hmm. and I can trust God. So the first three are like getting to know who God is and that I'm not him. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and thinking I was got me here. And, and then working out all of those relational things that have happened and all of the hurts, habits, and hangups that you've ever had done to you or by you and getting that all worked out, restoring relationship, and then getting into a daily uh, relationship with, with God through prayer and meditation so here's one thing is like, there's 12 steps to recovery. It's not a two-step program. So you don't go, hey, I'm sick and I want to help you. That's one in 12. Yeah. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. It's not a two-step program. There's some big steps in, in the middle. Yes, please. As a pastor, <laughs> as a Bible guy, as a theologian, I, I just want to add this, how closely those steps align with the 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 kind of layout of scripture, mm-hmm. the, the way it says, here's how to live the Christian life. Here's what it's going to be like if you follow Jesus. You don't pretend you're perfect. Mm-hmm. You admit you have problems. You admit we're we admit we're sinners. Mm-hmm. First John one. If we say we have no sin, we're liars. We're we're making it up. We're deceiving ourselves. Yes. And then you turn to the God who can mm-hmm. make it better. You turn to the God who has the power. So the alignment between the twelve steps and Scripture. Well, that's not by accident. I mean, the people yes. who started mm-hmm. that were definitely aware of what Scripture said. Absolutely. And that's what's beautiful about Celebrate Recovery. With every step, we have a, a passage with that. So we're following mm-hmm. along in scripture with that as well. So speaking of that, does faith make a difference for a person in a recovery from an addiction? Absolutely. Without a doubt, it makes a difference. That If if you can't surrender your hurt, habit, or hang up to something that's bigger than yourself, you're going to stay stuck right where you're at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to trust that there is, a, and I know in secular recovery, you have to, there's a higher power in where, where I'm at. I know what my higher power is, is Jesus Christ. And, and he gives me the, the way to, to move from point A to point B and, and forward. And without that, I just don't see, I, there are people in this world that have, have done it, but I don't know that they have found the joy that we get when we are in relationship with Christ. Mm. Well said. Yeah. When you're in recovery, as so many people are, you are, you have been for 18 years now. Is that what, that's yes. what, yeah. yeah. And others have been uh, for years and years, shorter, longer, whatever it might be. There's some language that comes along with that too that's Bible-based and is really helpful, including this, this next question. Yeah. What does it mean to live one day at a time? One day at a time. Funny thing about one day at a time, I really thought that that was something that that came from AA. I did not realize that was in the Bible. And what it means is that um, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. So as as an addict, as a, a codependent, uh, worry is like a thing that we want to do and we want to control and we want to make sure everything's going to be okay. Tomorrow and the next day and the next day, we want to think, we want to think about, uh, gosh, I'll never be able to drink ever again. But if I can think that just today, I don't have to, then I'm going to be able to put more Todays together, 
And I think that's what they, it's been tried to, be, to teach us through the Bible is that there's enough of worry tomorrow. Let's just take it today. Let's just slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a guy who helped start this church as a volunteer. His name's Cal Holtman. Yes. And he was the first president of this church, church council president. He's a mentor to me, a father figure after my dad died. Um, and also a huge force in this community yes. for recovery ministries. Um, he he lived it. It was a part of his story too. Brilliant guy, yes. super sharp, a leader in, in the community, in the state, on all sorts of levels, and a deeply devoted follower of Jesus. He, to- he would tell me, he, a lot of times he'd call me in the morning first thing when I was still sleeping. <laughs> he'd say, hey, I did my daily devotion for today. He had a, he had a Bible verse and then he'd, he'd read something out of his big blue book, the AA book. Mm-hmm. And then he'd say, I got to share this with you. I just want you to hear this. This is good stuff. And yeah. it always was. Yeah. And it was always just wonderful. So it's not just for somebody who's in recovery from addiction. No. It's for all of us. The second thing he did that made such a big impression on me is sometimes at the end of the day, he'd call me. And he'd say, I just want you to know today was a good day. Mm-hmm. That one day at a time. I said, well, and at first I was like, well, what happened? What, what, why was it a good day? He goes, because I didn't drink. Absolutely. Mm. That made today a good day. Whether things were great or not so great uh, in terms of circumstances, I didn't drink. It was one more day, mm-hmm. done at a time. It's one more day of recovery. It's one more day of new life in Christ. Mm. It's one more day of living. So ultimately this is, man, there's a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. For people who want to turn their lives over to God, who want to get out of denial, who mm-hmm. want to who want to get on a pathway to follow these tried and true steps, yes. tested steps yes. that have worked for so many people, millions and millions of people, uh, including you, including Cal, including mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people in this church family. Mm-hmm. What would you say? This is our deeper dive, mm-hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna go down deep under this one. And we'll wrap up here. What would you say to the person who feels like there's no hope? due to an addiction that I've tried. I can't tell you how many times people have said this to me, Melissa. I've tried to stop. I've tried to stop drinking. I've tried to stop the drugs. I've tried to stop my behavioral addiction, whatever it is. I've tried to stop. I can't stop. Where's the hope? You know, Satan likes to keep us hopeless. He likes to have a grip on us, and he likes to lie to us. The hope is... Look around. There are people that are in recovery. The hope is Jesus is bigger. God is bigger. You don't have to go through this alone. Most of the time when we feel super hopeless, we're, we're trying it by ourselves on our own, on our own willpower. The hope is that you get people to get around you. There is nobody on this planet that is too far gone. Not one soul, I don't care who you are, that is too far gone that can't come back. Amen. If you want it. The mm-hmm. hope is within you. The Holy Spirit is within you. The hope is within you, and you don't have to ever do this alone. So, I I, I know people uh, that have gone treatment twenty six times, yep. mm-hmm. and it takes what it takes. So, if you got to get up and try it one more time, we'll be there for you. As they say, the twenty sixth time is the charm. It is. <laughs> Sometimes, it, you know, don't give up. Yeah. Don't give up because because God ain't done with you yet. He just ain't done with you yet. Yeah. So. And there's a lot riding on it. Yeah. I mean, it is a deadly, it can be a very deadly, fatal disease. Yes. It takes people's lives. I've done too many funerals yes, uh, me too. for people in this situation, and it, it is a killer. It, it will kill relationships, but it can also take your physical life. It can end it. Yes. So there's a lot at stake here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Melissa, tell us about Celebrate Recovery. When do you, when do you guys meet? 
Mm-hmm. Who's invited? What do you mm-hmm. have to do to get here? Uh, what time, what place, what should you wear? Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, come as you are kind of thing. Uh, you can you can wear whatever. Um, it, so here at Hope, we have Celebrate Recovery on Thursday nights. We have uh, we start with a dinner because we believe that fellowship is good with food. And so we start with a dinner, and that's at 5 o'clock, runs until 6.15. And Celebrate Recovery itself starts at 6.30, runs until 7.30. Uh, we start with a, an hour of large group time that has worship music, a, a teaching or a testimony, and then we roll right into open share groups. Cool thing about Celebrate Recovery here with open share groups or anywhere that you go, uh, they are broken out by uh, specific topic Good. and gender. So we don't just have addiction or, code, or chemical dependency. We also have things like codependency and sexual integrity or fear, depression, anxiety, uh, all kinds of different Groups. And we also have one called General Recovery. So if there's not a group that defined what you are dealing with, General Recovery is the place for you. Mm-hmm. The cool thing also about Celebrate Recovery is it's a family program. So we also have a program called The Landing, and that's for high school students because yep. they struggle just as much. Yep. And the little, the little ones, uh, we have a place called Celebration Place, and that's for kids five years old to the sixth grade. Because when I was that age, my mom was an addict, and I thought that it was my fault. Mm -hmm. And if I could have been in a celebration place knowing that Jesus loved me and it wasn't my fault, Mm -hmm. who knows how that would have changed things. Mm -hmm. And so wherever you're at, because I know that people listen to this all over the country, maybe all over the world, go to CelebrateRecovery.com and find a meeting near you. They are worldwide. We've got meetings all over in every state. And and just go check it out. And I always, always, always say this. Give it three times. Mm. First time you go, you're not going to feel comfortable. Nothing feels right the first time. The second time you go, you, you, you get out of the newcomers group and go to a regular group. And by the third time, you know people. Yeah. Mm. So three times, and if you don't like it, come see me. Like that. like <laughs> That's good. That. And we have we have twelve step groups and celebrate recovery yes. in some of our other locations too. Yes. And and you mentioned the landing for um, mm-hmm. for teens and students. Yes. Amber Dismude leaves that leads that ministry here. Yes. She's amazing. Um, we'll have her on another time too mm-hmm. to to talk about this more specifically. But we wanted to start here. We wanted to start with more of the kind of the wide view of all these things. You've given us a lot to think about, yeah. uh, a lot of great information. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling people will watch this podcast and want to rewind and go back and catch <laughs> some parts mm-hmm. again and share that with people that they love and mm-hmm. use it as a way to invite them to celebrate recovery or a 12-step group. Uh, and I hope I hope that um, this will encourage some of you to come because mm-hmm. denial is not a life giver. Yes. It's a life taker. And God wants to have you life, to give you life and, and to give you a life that's full and complete. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, uh, addictive behaviors can keep you from that. Listen, and, yeah. And so let's let's uh, let's give God a chance uh, to to make things right that have gone wrong. Yes, if He can take somebody like me and and have me where He's got me, He can do He can do things for you. Absolutely. Mm. Well, as I said earlier, you're such a blessing to this church yeah. and to so many people uh, in this community. And um, I. I I I can't think of any ministry mm-hmm. in our church where God just completely transforms lives from from dark to light, from mm-hmm. night to day, mm-hmm. uh, from no hope to complete hope and a whole new life. So mm-hmm. thank you, Melissa. Yeah. Thank you, Emily. As always, thanks to all of you for tuning in. Um, come see us on weekends too. We uh, sh- we have some services uh, of worship on weekends, um, and and we'll catch you again next time. Yeah, I know.
Thanks for joining us today. Please click like, share it with a friend, and subscribe so we can see you next time. Bye.